0: hello welcome to this week's episode of juicing the big screen uh movies review and discussion podcast i'm i'm half the show here joshua tracy and i'm the other third corwin heller that's right and that remaining oh uh, you got this <laughs> one, sixth, one sixth. i don't know right man the, rema- the remaining one sixth is the ghost of roger ebert and here we go um, today we're going to be talking about uh, the 1948 movie bicycle thieves and the 1979 movie apocalypse now Corbin where would you like to start today I want to talk Italian all right let's give it that Italian that Italian gibber uh, jabber let's go with 1948's Bicycle Thieves directed by Vittorio De Sica written by s- nine people? That's too many people? Who wrote this? Oh my god. Alright. So this was the the novel was written by Luigi Bartolini. The story was written by Cesar Zavatini. The screenplay was written by Oreste Biancoli Suso Ke- de D'Amico Vittorio De Sica Adolfo Franchi, Ger- Gerardo Gerardi, Gerardo Ghieri <laughs> and Cesar Zavatini, and that's too many people. Um, it stars Lumberto Maggio <laughs> Enzo Stiola, and Le- Leonelli Le- Leonella Corel. Fuck me, goddamn! All this goddamn Italian. Um, real names, guys. Come on, Jesus Christ! Antonio Margheriti. Uh, you its mean? its budget was an estimated budget of one hundred thirty three thousand. Its cumulative worldwide gross four hundred twenty eight four hundred twenty nine thousand dollars. So, uh, a success when in, in an era in which Corwin and I talked about this, where I can't imagine foreign films had quite the audience they might have now. So that's pretty cool. Um. Do we have a tagline? We do. Uh, the prize picture they want to censor. I don't understand what that means. Um, I, I, so
1: I looked it up because I was on the IMTV page. I was thinking, like, saw it and was like, what the fuck? That's the American release that came out like a year, two years later. Oh. So like, it got released in Italy. Then they put it out in the US X amount of time later. And they were like, oh, Italian movie,
0: American headline. There you go. Yeah, that is weird. Anyway, anyway uh, it is about um, a post-war Italy, a working class man's bicycle is stolen, and then he and his son set out to find a core. Oh, I missed uh, one thing. It, it won uh, the, the uh, an honorary Oscar um, for best. No, this is a regular Oscar uh, for best foreign language film. And it was nominated for Best Writing Screenplay for Cesari Zabatini uh, And Corwin, do you want to start or do you want me to? Your movie, you can start. All right. That, that seems to be fair. Uh, I love this movie. I, 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 it is a depressing film the entire way through. There is almost no level of happiness, but at the same time, it's a very realistic portrayal. It's not, sad because the movie wants you to necessarily like feel pity it wants you to sympathize and to understand and from that very humanistic aspect I think the film does a really phenomenal job because it really just shows like here's just this guy he's just a dude he's nothing mm-hmm. special he's nothing he's not bad and it it he just wants to like he just, he just wants to work and he's been hindered because someone just stole his bicycle, something he had no control over. And the job that he got very fortuitously um, required him to have that bike. And he literally can't do it without it. And so now he's at a crossroads where he has no money. He has no bike. And his first day of work is like tomorrow. And here he is navigating all these different parts of various Italian uh, towns and suburbs trying to like go find basically the means for which he would have to do this job and just struggling the whole way through trying to bring his kid around for one. Cause he, I think wants to give his, his wife a, a break from parenting to, or really just to allow her to do more household things. She, they have a newborn that, that requires a lot of attention. Um, and also cause he, he seems like he genuinely enjoys his kids company. And also he needs a second set of eyes to just look out for this fucking bike. And mm-hmm. And we'll get into the ending later, but it's. It, I really just think it's a beautiful portrayal of what work meant at this time, people's need not just to work for money, but also for meaning, um, and what poverty really looks like.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where... I don't know if I want to say it now or save it before we get deeper into it, but like just the travesty of the whole situation is awful. Um, it's really just, you know, we, it, we like we as Americans in 2020, like we don't understand the consequences of what war actually is. Um, it was, you know, a, a quote that I read a couple days ago that you know, really stuck with me as I was watching this because of how fitting it was. But, you know, this country is so patriotic and pro-military, pro-war almost. Uh, because we haven't seen one on our soil in you know hundred and fifty years. And even when that occurred, you know, the civil war, It was because of a war of independence and before that it was a war of independence you know the war of 1812 was the only war we fought on american soil that wasn't for independence not including the aleutian islands but that's neither here nor there um so we don't see the consequences nobody from the civil war who was alive to see it is you know two or three generations removed to pass on those horrors, so people just don't know it you know we glorify the military we glorify wars all this stuff but we don't see what actually happens when those things take place and this is that you know this is what actually happens it's you know not glory and uh you know winning medals and becoming famous or becoming a hero it's it's citizens and entire countries entire cities just being torn apart um and it's not just you know the three months that there's fighting in one city no it's years or even decades after where it's still happening you know like this came out in what 48 yeah very soon after the war ended you know major fighting in italy stopped in like 43 44 you know like this is years years later and it's still rubble you know it's still hordes of men without jobs without ability to support themselves you know the most prized job amongst this entire group of people is hanging posters on a wall it's it's devastating and it just oh it just hit me like a ton of bricks watching
0: this and 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 it's also this conversation around the fact that these are people who didn't do anything wrong? Like the the main character, oh, what's his name? I have it in front of me. I have to look at it real quick. Antonio. Uh, he didn't do anything. Like he was about to lose his job because his bike got stolen, and we can, of course, sit there and be like, "Well, he should have secured his bike down," and like, "All right, yeah, and you know, and he should have been able to stop World War Two from starting, shouldn't he have?" Yeah. Um, but it's like at stop the end of the day, victims. like. Yeah, he didn't do anything and he's going to lose his job as a result of it. And if we aren't seeing that today, like my God. And this is a big part of what real financial hardship looks like, is that so much of it is out of your control. You know, like these are people who did not choose to live in what is was going to become a war-torn area that had major economic fallout. These are not people who chose to have uh, uh, a a wrecked economy that that can't find just can't muster up enough jobs for them to work in a private industry and have to rely upon uh, uh, a, a government coming along and dishing them out like 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 party favors at the end of a party like like this these are people who, who are victims of circumstance and really nothing else and are trying their best and it's it, it, there's, there's really nice points of community. You know, one, one, of, one of my notes is about when, when um, Antonio's friends help him and his son looking for the bike at the, uh, that weird, like outdoor bike market. Um, and I, I wrote here you like, you know, it, these are, these are uh, amazing friends that would help do this. And yeah, there are, I'm sure amazing friends. And also a big part of it is like this struggle I'm sure is something that they have also been seeing, if not firsthand, then then um, on the news or, or, or secondhand via via friends of friends. Like the idea that that this guy could lose his job for for nothing, I'm sure resonates with them pretty readily, and they're going to do everything within their power to try to help out. the The idea of a community kind of banding together around these 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 common issues and and challenges that are facing everybody. I, it hurts to see like it really hurts to see. And you know that this is, this is, this is real. This is authentic. This is happening in 1940 Italy and it's happening today. Um, you know, this is the same idea as when you see like on the news lines of cars going down uh, highways for food at food banks. Like this is, this is everybody doing their best and being limited just based on circumstance.
1: God, this was like usually I hate watching these depressing movies just because it's it is depressing and it's not something I want to watch. And you know, there's a time and place for those kind of movies. and there's a time and place for, you know, watching and feeling those kind of emotions when you watch these kind of films. But man, like, I, I don't know. like I, I was watching the movie and when he goes and tries to steal the other man's bike when his desperation is at its peak and he goes is almost arrested is let go because of you know the understanding of you know the people involved which a tangent for a moment like the understanding of the people around him is almost sh- it is truly shocking because of you know the society we're a part of now where understanding is about as rare as unicorns nowadays, especially with, you know, police officers and people who are struggling and man, everyone's like, dude, I get it. Like, yeah. Okay. Like your bike was stolen. You wanted to check the serial number. Don't worry, man. I get it. Don't be upset. Or, Hey, you sold the bike. You tried to steal the bike. Cause you meant it. You're here with your son. Like I can see like the struggles you're going through. We're all going through it. I'm not going to press charges, man. I get it. Like, that was so refreshing to see but also again even more disheartening for today's society but i really thought there was a whole nother act coming after that where you know there is that redemption where he does find the bike or he's able to live happily ever after or son forgives him anything but it's just the slow sad walk home and it's like fucking. it was like i just i needed that, that little extra and they just wouldn't give it to me. Oh, that hurt.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess let's just go ahead and talk about the, the ending, because, I mean, this movie really just builds towards the ending, um, which is exactly as Corbin said, you know, they, they spend the whole movie trying to find the bike, and they can't find the bike, and at the end of the movie, Antonio tries to steal a different bike and gets caught by the bike owner and some of the other people who are all leaving a soccer match. Um, and... Almost gets uh, arrested, but while they're kind of walking him to the police station, the guy whose bike he tried to stole steal uh, sees his kid and him, and decides to to take a, a compassionate approach and, and let him go instead of making his life exponentially worse. Which uh, again, if we're talking about the socioeconomics of, of poverty, uh, geez, you know that's yeah. relatable. Uh, we certainly see that all the time, but ah. Uh. I I think it didn't let up because it wanted you to know that it, it 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 doesn't. There there's there's not often Deus ex machina happy endings for for these for people in poverty. Like he had to go home and continue being poor. It wasn't anything he got to to be freed of by some miracle. He is now going to have to be the same guy he was at the beginning of the movie, which was hanging out in this weird outdoor space just trying to wrangle up work and helping his wife carry water. Like, mm-hmm. that's all there is to it. He's going to have to keep... He's And he's going to go home to a bed without any sheets. Because they hocked him. Yeah. To get the bike back because they hocked the bike earlier. Pre-film. I mean, it is it's heart-wrenching because it was supposed to be because no I, I, this mean, is I, real. To,
1: I totally get that and understand and can appreciate why they want to share that message it's just you know for someone not in those struggles fuck that hurt that hurts to watch it really oh yeah is. yeah
0: yeah oh no I'm not trying to <laughs> pour shade at you by any means um it's yeah. It, it it ends like how you usually think of like the beginning of Les Mis. You know, this is very Victor Hugo right here. This is this is the stealing of the bread to get by, mm-hmm. and instead of it, you know, leading into a big musical romp around France, it just leads to him going back home and in, in, in Italy. But it's you know they they go throughout the film and the film takes them to various places. That I I think have different, you know, representations of, of what life could be. You know, when they go to the bike market, one of the things that stands out at you is if he was a different guy, he could just buy a bike. You know, he could just buy some mm-hmm. of these pieces. And that's it just happened to you
1: or I. That's nothing. You go to Walmart, you go to, to a bike shop, you just buy one that's the way it is. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it might hurt financially for a bit. You know, a cheap bike could still run you like 150. You know that's that's no small amount of money, but like you throw it on your credit card, you pay it off next 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 cycle. You know after you got a couple of paychecks under your belt, um, not an option. The men had to literally hawk his fucking sheets. So I, you know, it, 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 it's supposed to I think hammer in a little bit the the the, the disparate nature between uh, having to have not just financially, and then again you you go later on in the film when when they're at the restaurant and it's the have and have not with food. Here's here's this kid looking at the table over them. Uh, having a, a a very fancy nice dinner, and his dad, who's embarrassed and feels self conscious because like he can't afford to do that for them, and it's it's one of those other basic little things where it's like everyone should be able to have a nice meal every now and then. Like that's not like showing your family a nice time and having a a a good hearty meal at a nice restaurant shouldn't be something exclusively for people of means. Like again, there's nothing. That that this guy, Antonio, did wrong. He's just being dealt a terrible hand that he just has to play. And it's embarrassing for him because his kid is being exposed to now this other family that's living a different lifestyle. And there's nothing his dad can do reasonably to match that. Ugh, oh,
1: yeah. It's, and you see... Uh, oh, go it's a struggle, you know, it's expensive being poor. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and like also goes along with the fact that how old would you say Bruno is in this movie?
0: Uh, this I'd time? say like seven, maybe.
1: And he's going to work, you know, right there with his dad, trying to earn a living wage to pay for the family's bills, you know, seven year old kid going with a gas can and a pail, whatever it
0: was, and going to work. <sighs> Yeah, it, it, you know, there, there was, there was an off discussed thing in, in my economics classes, which is like, is, is child labor more a result of, uh, capitalism or poverty? And the, the sad reality is it's really kind of both. Cause, you know, you don't see rich kids working in coal mines, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. it's, it's just, an hour and a half of, of wow, that's sad, but realistic. Because, again, at no point while watching this do you think to yourself, oh, man, that's stupid. You wouldn't do that. Or, you know, like, oh, we get it. You're beat up about it. No, no. For Honestly, for most of this, Antonio is very determined. He is very convinced he's getting his bike back.
1: Yeah. Like, and honestly, throughout- that's the kind of mental attitude you need for this, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, at, at, at no point did you really see this guy kind of just like wallowing in self misery. Like from the second the bike was gone, he was like, we're going to fucking go get that shit. And, and, and again, I think the fact that you don't see these characters very often pity themselves. Like, like I said, you see Antonio feeling embarrassed at one point because he he can't afford the big fancy meal that the table over from them is eating at the restaurant. But the, the, the fact that you don't see them just going like, whoa, it's me, it's so sad, even though they very reasonably could and they wouldn't be wrong to do it, also is meant to show that like the people who are struggling to get by aren't just like hoping to live off of a welfare state. Like They want to go back. Like This guy is going to take a very remedial job biking up and down streets to hang posters and will be thrilled to have it because it's work. And that's like that's the realistic situation for like most people most people want to work yeah oh
1: uh, the struggles man
0: struggles. yeah i, I, I really on
1: a, on a brighter happier note uh, uh <laughs> just something i appreciated was once he you know pawns the bike back or you know buys the bike back from the pawn shop they do a really great job of making sure that that bike is always in frame or, you know, prominent in each scene that it's used in. And is just, uh, you know, it's they do a really good job of highlighting the importance of the bike early on before it's taken.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I have a note here. So when, when uh, his wife makes a stop to go to the uh, I think it was like a psychic or some shit like that uh the psychics place they the the bike disappears for a little bit as antonio goes up the steps and you know it's it it's like a little bit tense leaving the bike behind you know and i i have uh i have a note that it says uh, leaving the bike wouldn't be a big deal unless the name of the movie is bicycle thieves
1: yeah no <laughs> because for that, real. that
0: was like stressful
1: oh incredibly stressful just waiting for it to get waiting for it to get taken
0: yeah yeah because it's like this is the movie, and like and it does such a good job of establishing the fact to you that like, wow, does he need that bike? Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh man, that would that would stink. it's like, no, like this is like life or death, mhm, so
1: literally, like they had to pawn it to pay for food,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: like that's not something you're like,' oh, darn, that sucks. it's like no, that's it's over.
0: So the the movie is really, it, it's, a, it's a tight 89 minutes. It's, it, it goes by, I think, actually a little bit slower than that. Not like it's like a drag, but it, you really, really, you feel the 89 minutes, which I think is beneficial towards the film in this one instance. Usually I'm not a fan of dragging movies, but um, but it really, like at, after the, at the point at which he loses the bike, it really just follows the, the father-son combo around Italy as they try to find the bike. So there's not too much plot-wise to describe here. I think it's most as we as we basically said throughout this. It's it's mostly there to show the stakes of poverty and what poverty looks like, and to give a face to it, um, specifically in Italy at this point in time. But but more generally, uh, I think it can be applied to to basically anywhere in all points in time. Um, so I don't have too much else to say about it. Um, do you have any other notes before we move on?
1: Oh man, just looking through it, I kind of said what I wanted to say. Um... The strategy that the bicycle thieves actually used to steal the bike, pretty effective. You know, having guy kind of hang back to make sure that the bike, you know, the guy wasn't there to, you know, find the bike. Like, they weren't able to to acquire it or, you know, to follow them. That's effective. True. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I have to so. say.
0: All right, then um, I'll give the first rating and review, I guess, since this was since I went first with the discussion. So, um, I, I think this is a must-watch. It's first off, it's on HBO Max, so if you have HBO Max, it doesn't cost you any extra money to go see. But also, in general, I think exposing yourself to this type of realism by way of art i think is beneficial to your understanding of society uh, and i think it's also a very appropriate movie for the time in which we're living um, we have been decimated not by bombs but by coronavirus and uh this is not so unrealistic of an i basically if you change this this to from a a bike to a car i think you you'd get a lot of sympathetic reaction from people who would be in similar circumstance. Um, yeah. But anyway, it's, it's a, it's also, it's, this is a classic piece of cinema. I think you're doing yourself a favor if you check it out. So I'll leave it at that. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it the full five, man. This is, it's such, it's such a classic and it hurts my heart and that's enough. (laughs) So yeah, I'm going to give it the full five. See, I'm giving it a four, and
1: I'm struggling because it immediately... like, It was one of those like gut reactions where it's like, okay, this is a four. And I was like, well, I don't have any complaints about this movie. I have no qualms with this movie. I don't have any reason to take anything away from this other than like the gut feeling. But I'm not going to argue with my gut on this, and I'm just going to give it a four. I have no discernible reason why i shouldn't give this a five or at least a four and a half i just you know fuck i'll give it a four and a half it deserves it It, it's too good of a movie to give a four
0: all right all right cool i i love it so that is bicycle thieves and now we're going to move on to 1979's wild tale apocalypse now uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, uh, written by John Milius and Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, there's also um, a narration credit for Michael Herr and a novel credit for Joseph Conrad. There's a uh, it,
1: narration credit?
0: Yeah, I don't know what that there's means. There's no
1: narration in this movie.
0: <laughs> uh, well, no, there is narration. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just martin sheen talking over i don't know
1: there's no narrator other than the characters in it yes i i i whatever
0: yeah i don't know what that means really Uh, but anyway um uh it stars martin sheen marlon brando robert duvall and a bunch of other dudes Uh, you got Lawrence Fishburne in here harrison ford there's guys you know um it had an estimated budget of um $31.5 331.5 million dollars. Oh man. Um and it had a cumulative worldwide gross of just about 92 million dollars, so definitely a success. Uh the tagline for this film is um the horror the horror which is apt. Um it had it won 2 Oscars on the back of four six eight nominations it won for best cinematography for vittorio storaro It won for best sound for four people there's a lot of people here i'm not sure i'm gonna read all the names it won it was nominated for best picture uh it was nominated for best actor and supporting role for robert duvall best director for francis for coppola best writing medium based on material from another medium sorry screenplay based on material from another re- medium for john Milius and francis for coppola best art direction set direction and best film Editing and Corwin, since this was your pick, tell me what you thought.
1: Oh man, I mean, I, I think I've said it enough on here. This is my favorite film of all time, and watching it again has done nothing but solidify that. Um, God, I, I like I have I have complaints with the film because who doesn't love something and nitpick it? Um, but we can talk about that at the end. I think this is one of the just most well shot films of all time. Like I I know how well known the absolute colossal. I don't even know how to describe in like a short sentence, the like making of this film. Like if you haven't seen uh, hearts of darkness, like the, the making of the documentary on the making of this film, please go watch it. It's unbelievable. I would absolutely give anything to be able to be on the set of this film while it was being made and just watch. Um god, it's just such a incredible tale. It's such an incredibly well-told story. It's such an incredibly well-shot story. I just this movie is everything and I love it and Martin Sheen is phenomenal in this everyone in this is phenomenal except for marlon brando he's fat and bad at acting um wow yeah i mean i just i don't know what you expect me to say other than just like sitting here and fanboying over this movie for the next 20 30 minutes because i love it except for small details that not even details like a major section of the movie that is just pointless and i hate it but i just fast forward through it and it doesn't matter i don't know i want to hear what your thoughts are i love this i had something else i wanted to say and have forgotten about it uh when you were reading through everything but
0: uh oh well i'll come back it's a it's a phenomenal fucking movie it's a great fucking movie it's it's somehow i think an underrated movie because it usually gets on because it's a Francis Ford Coppola vehicle and when you talk about Francis Ford Coppola, of course you got to talk about Godfather and mm-hmm. the and Godfather 1 and 2 I think just overshadow Apocalypse Now to such a high degree especially with the other earlier Francis Ford Coppola works that that are, are tangling around up there and it oh my god it's a fucking wild ride um it it's paced so well I, I mean it, you will it. never get tired of what's happening And you never have to sit in one moment of insanity for too long before it brings you to a new one to wrap your mind around the color palettes. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. It's just so beautiful to look at. And it does exactly what it is trying to do so well. I mean, I can't. It's also crazy to believe how well this movie came out given all of the failings of the production, which could be a whole different episode in its own right. Um, And somehow they brought this together to make one of, I think the most ambitious and well fucking done Vietnam or really war in general movies of all time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. It's so good. It's It's amazing. Um... Yeah, I mean, I I will say,
1: like, just because we're going to have to talk about it at some point, um, the final cut version of this, the one that we watched, uh, it does do a lot to uh, increase the color, I guess, brightness, or the contrast would be the right term for it, uh, that you see like those uh the deep colors of like the smoke and the the green of the jungle and all that is highlighted a lot by the way it was edited um or at least for that specific cut that we watched um but man yeah like this is just so phenomenal as far as pacing is concerned might as well talk about it now but like that fucking French plantation scene is awful. I hate it. I can't watch it. I fast forward through it every single time I watch this movie. Um, It just completely brings the film to a stop. Like a roaring, just screeching brakes stop. And it's just... It drives me insane when it comes up every time because I get why they keep it in there every time. They, you know, they have to bury clean. They want to have that conversation between uh, Willard and the plantation owner about why they're there, what they're fighting for, the pointlessness of the Vietnam War from, you know, the U.S. perspective. I get that. But fuck, just show up at the pier have the god burial and then go back to the film because you're there you know with like two or three just crazy intense action sequences with um the nighttime stopover um at the carnival uh quote unquote carnival the fight where uh uh what's the Clean dies, and then right then you go back and leave, and you're at the climax of the film. And in the middle of it, there's a fucking dinner scene and political, you know, conversation and a fucking sex scene. Like it just, it's so out of place and just takes so much away from the pacing and tone of the film at that point. And it just, I can't stand that it's like a 15, 20 minute sequence. Just,
0: dropped in. I rant over. I don't think it was in the version I watched. Really? Yeah, because I remember watching the movie with you like six months or so ago. Maybe it was a year ago at this point, actually. Um yeah, it must have been. We were still pandemic mode six months ago. So it's probably like a year or so ago. And um I remember that scene being like, oh my God. And uh, I did I don't think I watched it. I I, I Completely forgot about it because, and I just watched the movie last night. So yeah, I, right. I don't think I watched it. Damn, did we watch two different movies? No, um, we might have watched two different versions. I don't think we watched two different movies. Right, right. Um, I watched, where did you watch it? Uh,
1: I had a, a, a torrent of it, the final cut from when it came out.
0: Oh, I, I watched whatever version was on HBO Max. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I want to see.
1: I want to look into that. I want to see what version is on each, HBO Max, because it might be just the original or Redux cut.
0: I don't know, because yeah, I remember you describing it. I I remember that scene, but I don't remember watching it just now. Um, But regardless, um...
1: Um, in the scene that you watched, was there the or the? cut that you watched was there a scene where they like meet up with like the playboy bunnies in like this muddy rainy abandoned base
0: um, fuck I don't remember
1: where like chef is like trying to bang one of the playboy bunnies in a helicopter yes okay so I think you watched the redux version
0: I don't remember that's fair i a lot happens in the movie. You are not wrong um a- anyway, what would you say th- the main messaging for the film is? uh the
1: psychological oh God, there's so many that you could pick from um just the psychological horrors of war, just the reality of the mental strain and pointlessness of it all um, would be my choice of like the main overarching, you know, themes. But there's just so many things that it goes over throughout that um, it, it there's so many you could choose from.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not looking for like a right answer kind of situation. You're, you're right. Like, there's, there's so many right answers like yeah, uh, but that's one of the things that makes this such a fun and interesting watch is like, there, if you can watch this movie from a different perspective like every single time you watch it. So I, I think I focused more this time on um, the concepts of the military being brought to their absolute extremes because that's one of the things that is focused on very heavily when martin sheen is reviewing all the documents um uh, the, like the dossier on mm-hmm. uh, marlon brando is he's like well like i mean look at this guy like he's got all these commendations he's got all these recognitions he's got all this education he's third generation west point like he's got all of these accolades how did he end up here and he ended up here because in in, in what i've determined from this most recent viewing ended up here because this is what the military built him to be by combination of all of the education and training he's received and the inane situation he was put in as a result of this, the quote unquote pointlessness of the war, they built him and they built this monster and are now sending troops out to kill him. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, God, I fucking love this movie. Because you know all all the the politicking and the strategy and 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 the um, education required to like lead a people is something he would have gotten with his extensive military training and military education. And when you have that much potential, and then get your mind corrupted by the horrors of war. I I mean, I guess, I guess that leads to you chopping dudes heads off.
1: Yeah. um, It's one of those things where neither of us have been in the situation to understand that. Um, But yeah, like it's, it's hard not to watch that and just see the, just the toll it takes on everyone involved. Like,
0: God, I and, don't know. I've, I think I've, that's I one love of the this movie to death. Oh, it's absolutely stuff like that, and I think that's a, that's a that's a big part of you know as as Martin Sheen's reading the dossier and all the the um I guess we'll call those the narrated bits. Um, he's talking about how like how the more I read about him, the more I get it, mm-hmm. and you can everything I just said about Marlon Brando's character, you can say about Martin Sheen's character. He also is seemingly he's a captain. So he's, he's, he's highly decorated to, to an extent. He's been promoted several times. I'm sure he's a well enough educated man. And he also is experiencing the psychological detriments that war brings about with it and is suffering as a result of it. He's, he's an alcoholic. Certainly. Um, he's got a substance, uh, problem with, with tobacco, which isn't a big thing, but I think that's meant to just kind of show a, a generalized substance problem. um, and and he is he's in the shit, and the more he reads about this guy and his ideals, the more he's coming to an understanding of it. Because I I think again one of the the thesis theses of the film is thesis. this is what this is what they're building.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I I looked this up not to change subjects off a good talking point. Hey but man, you it. The original version of the film, the oh. original theatrical release.
0: You know what's crazy? Then I don't think I've ever seen it before. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think I've only seen Redux.
1: Uh, Redux was the first one I ever watched, um, and then I watched theatrical, and then the final cut is the one that just came out in the past like a year or two.
0: I, I guess I've just never actually seen it, but oh well.
1: Yeah. yeah, it happens. I mean, Redux is like over three hours long. The original is like two and a half.
0: Yeah, that's about um, when I watched two and a
1: half. Which, honestly, like I, I like the first original cut. I think Redux... Uh, see, now I'm getting it all confused. Like, So if the original didn't have the French plantation scene, that might be my favorite, just because you don't have to sit through that. Um, I just love the fact that the final cut is in 4K, and the videos themselves, uh, or the video itself, is just fucking gorgeous like the color is unbelievable
0: i mean absolutely and i don't know if they updated the um original version into 4k on the one that i would just watch but i watched it on my 4k television and it was fucking gorgeous i will say that
1: yeah i love this i'm like scrolling through like just looking at the shots now and wow like the color is it's a clear difference and uh I love it.
0: Anyway, I want to I want to talk about the 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 symbolism of the um. I guess I don't want to say March because they were on a boat the whole time, but the but the the journey deep into Vietnam and then I guess eventually into Cambodia mm-hmm. um, as 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 being symbolism for the different stages, I would assume, of uh, mentality. That you would guess Kurtz and his men had gone through, or at least the different stages of psychology that one would encounter throughout a descent into what would eventually become Kurtz. Because you start off pretty much anyway, um, after he meets the crew and they all seem like kind of like normal soldier dudes, you know, they're all like guys, you know, chefs of a, um, what was he, a saucier and and, uh, uh, Mr. Clean's just like a kid. and the uh, the the captain's just like a, they're all just dudes, you know, and and then, yeah. and then you get to the Robert Duvall scene, and Duvall is a fucking whack job, but he's like who you would expect the whack job of the movie to be, you know? He's like very he's he's like I am here because I love killing people and hanging out with the boys, and it's like yeah. that's that's what you'd expect to see. Like you're like yeah, I'd I'd to find you here
1: you know and like for me like the best part of his character is like you clearly see that like he is a sociopath when it comes to like fighting and combat and surfing but like you also see like he respects the the act of fighting to the point where like he'll give a dying enemy water from his own canteen because of like the bravery it takes to fight like he cares about the wounded men getting taken out and brought to a hospital as fast as possible he wants to take care of like the sick and wounded of like the civilians of the village like he put the baby and his mother like in his own personal helicopter to be taken to a hospital like there are aspects to his character that are good like he is not just a complete evil psychopath just intent on surfing and killing the enemy it's just like the fact that there are redeemable qualities to this by all means still a psychopath is one of the better aspects of the fact that like that's what makes this so great is because that's the way people are you know it's not black and white good and evil like guys like this are the reality of what it's like i again i would assume i don't know um, I don't know. It just—it's one of those things where it's like these characters are great, uh, and I think it's just like my love for the film and them in it, uh, just highlights or you know accentuates just how much I love them. I don't know. Again, I'm biased.
0: I get it. I get it. But I want—I want to keep moving along with with the 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 plot points. Please go right ahead. So, so sorry to. to- can just say fuck that but no but, josh i get it um so so I, I i would call that first stage uh i guess you could call it like like the glorification of war kind of kind of a little little you 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 feel that patriotism you feel a little little bit of bloodlust mm-hmm. <laughs> um but like this is very much so like we're going to go kill some 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 asian people and then we're going to go surfing and have a nice time like this is this Absolutely. is the and just to double down, just because I'm, I'm now thinking about it, they did that was the part where they had Francis Ford Coppola there directing. Yeah. So so this is definitely the glorification of war thing. So then we get into our next stage, and and that's when they they um go to collect gas and and, and some supplies. It's just pr- this is a this is a pretty brief stop here. Uh, guys are a little bit more restless. You know, they got the 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 Playboy bunnies doing the really lame suggestive dancing. um so fucking so fucking lame (laughs) um but i guess it was a real hit in the late 60s early 70s but um and i i think i think this is this is really just loneliness you know um that that compounded with with um just having been out for a for a while you're you're a little bit more riled up you know, you, you, you've been in a certain environment, very, very testosterone filled environment for a while, you know, so I, 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 it's, it's, it's a brief passing one, but I'd say that's really all you're going to get out of it. And they then go, and, and I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm doing a lot of this off of memory, <laughs> but they then get to the, um, the bridge, right? Uh, no, the bridge.
1: The bridge where it's like the carnival music playing. Yeah. All that. No, that's like the very final stop before they pass up into like. Hey, what what am I
0: forgetting? What am I forgetting?
1: Um. Oh shit! Now I gotta think back. Uh, here, let me actually open up the film and just scroll through it to make sure I have it all. Um. Yeah. Let's see what a. So you have the opening scene with Willard in his hotel. He gets his mission. He meets the boys. They meet Kilgore. Um, They have that battle scene with the surfing, Uh, the tiger scene, the Playboy show. Um, After the Playboy show, they are on the river for a while. Oh, the boat scene where they shoot up the fishing boat and Lance gets the puppy.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess.
1: No, then it is the bridge at the carnival. Wow, that... That's what I
0: thought. Yeah, it's a pretty stark Yeah, you're plantation. not
1: wrong. Then Clean dies. Then it's the French oh. plantation.
0: And I'm going to skip the French plantation since that wasn't in the version I watched, and I can't that's make fair. anything out of it. Um, but so you get, to, wow, you get that's... to... You get to the bridge scene, and that's anarchy. You know, it, it's, it's a yeah. complete breaking down of of the the structure of the military that had that had been imposed, as there is a slow um attrition with, you know, like the, there's no commanding officer. I, maybe he died. Maybe he went missing. Maybe he lost it. like they're they're firing into the night trying to kill someone. It's not even made clear if that's like a civilian or an enemy because everyone just seems scared. They're scared. It's dark. Uh, there th- there's not. There's like there's not a lot of people there. They, they can't get any answers out of anybody. There's just confusion and the there's the generalized structure that the military has imposed is gone at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and that I think is what really sets the stage for the next part, which is when they get to Kurtz's outpost in the actual in actual can- Cambodia, um, in that in that that temple environment, which is. What happens after anarchy? Well, if there's someone with a strong enough will and a strong enough point of leadership, whether that's via a more martial type of law or via democracy, and we see which direction this went pretty immediately, they take, they seize power. And here you have a group of people who, it's a cult, it's a full on cult. um, Yeah. Where cult perts is the head of it. And I think by going through these stages you you it's meant to guide you through how Kurt's probably descended down into this he probably started off you know being a, a glorified glory of war war super cool like you know all about the military structure all about the military industrial complex maybe a little bit of drinking um but like you know he was a war guy and then you you spend enough time in a fight that doesn't really have set boundaries and it doesn't really have like geographical or civilian wise, it doesn't really have, uh, uniforms, you know, so you can't really tell what's going on. There's a lot of anarchi- anarchy in the struggle, uh, combined with the fact that it's not like a lot of like roads. It's not like when you're fighting in Europe and you can just kind of march down the Champs Elysees. like, it's mm-hmm. jungle, you know, like there's, there, 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 there's not a lot of order. And then slowly descending from there into into full on, I'm a god kind of, kind of deal as as he questions everything he's been meant to believe, as well as been so far removed from from the society that he knows and immersed himself into the thinking of himself as as basically a fucking deity. Uh, I think it's kind of meant to just kind of guide along that that mental journey, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm right there with you. God, I forgot like just scrolling through the film just then. I forgot how much takes place at Kirch's compound.
0: Yeah, it feels like it ends like as soon as you get there, but the reality is it's like another like 20 minutes or so. Oh, like
1: honestly, it's like the cut I was watching, at least in the final cut. It's like a good here. Let me see if I could get like an actual. So from two. Thirteen to let's see, it's like forty-five minutes to two fifty. Wow, 40 really? Forty minutes at the kaya It doesn't feel like that at all. Uh, honestly, it may be that it's just like a a shorter version in the original, and you know there is a time difference significantly. I wouldn't say significantly, but a really good amount. Um, but damn, like that is a lot.
0: Wow, yeah, that Got is impressive. And yeah. and the so, Kurt yeah. stuff is 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 just fascinating. It it mm-hmm. is of course a continuation of this visual feast that you're on. I mean, it is a really stunningly gorgeous like location, but also the bright contrast between the brutality that you're constantly witnessing with all the severed heads and the, the the body that was strewn up on the tree and all that kind of shit. And then Marlon Brando just like reading poetry. Which like part of it
1: feels like almost like staged, like, I don't know, like the Dennis Hopper character being like so infatuated with Kurtz about like him reading poetry aloud and all that. It's like, well, is he playing it up? Like, what's the deal? Uh, who knows? It's just like I don't, I don't know. know. Like, like there's... there's the cursed characters. Like it's so late in the movie. Like your your mind is almost so filled with all the informa- in- other information. Like it it takes a backseat to everything else you watched. Almost. I I don't know if that's a great way to describe it, but like there's so much going on throughout the rest of the film. But I feel like understanding his character is the I don't want to know know if it's har- the hardest or. Regardless, like I don't even know what I'm trying to say here anymore. Like, he's just difficult to read. I guess I don't know. I don't know how I, to put it correctly. I
0: I think it takes. All right, so so the first thing I want to say about Marlon Brando's character is, oh my god, I love Marlon Brando so fucking much. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He's so good. Cause one of the things I kept thinking while I was watching, uh, all of the, all of his dialogue was if this was anybody else, this dialogue would make me cringe. Um, Completely, but yeah. he says it in, in like the most Marlon Brando way possible where it's somehow it's like every Mar- Brando's great. Cause everything he does is somehow authentic. Um, mm-hmm. More than believable, it feels like like no, he's that guy. Like he's just like it might look like Marlon Brando and Salon look like Marlon Brando, but like he just he just survived the war for like 40 years and is here to tell you about it. Like it's perfect. So the fact that he was able to take dialogue that again might otherwise sound kinda cringy, I think is per- oh, love it. Um and then to to what his actual character does, it's like it's all over the map and he's constantly Kind of, I don't, isn't he? You don't even really see too much in the way of him doing the bad stuff, like all the, the murdering and shit. There's the the moment where he drops uh, Chef's head in front of Martin Sheen. That's really, I think, the most you see him do, right? I'm sorry? That's the most
1: you see him do, right? Uh, yeah, essentially. You're talking and, about Kurt, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I think that lack of seeing him be the bad guy makes, I think it's meant to give you more of a scope of how um, Martin Sheen sees him and how he probably lures all these people in because he himself isn't doing or isn't seen doing any of these great bad things but you see him opining on what it means to be a soldier and what it means to be uh, a a human being and what it means to be a leader and having these very often odd conversations and 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 kind of seemingly little out there musings but Having them nonetheless, and, and presenting relatively more complex thoughts than you got previously in the film, uh, mm-hmm. or at least giving you the thoughts that were shown to you in the film and then not verbalized until now, um, makes him be a really. Uh, what's the best way to put his character? Just intriguing, I guess. It, it,
1: it. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's like an onion. He has so many layers.
0: He is the Shrek of the movie. <laughs> that is true. Oh. Was I there ever was
1: movie it, a dozen times?
0: When I'm you first, probably
1: going to watch it again tonight.
0: When when you first watched this movie, did you think that Martin Sheen was going to kill um Marlon Brando? Yes.
1: Just because I watched this in high school and it was like, well, yeah, like that's the point, like he's going there to kill him. Of course he's going to kill him. him. And now it's like, oh, well, that's actually the whole point is like the
0: struggle of, do you kill this man? Yeah, because, you know, not only is he probably a pretty compelling figure, irrespective of the journey, but, you know, Martin just went on this whole journey to get there, and his mind is going to be a lot more malleable than he would have previously. Mm-hmm. Um, some fun facts that I thought you might dig. Um, uh, I love the fun facts about this the United States military didn't give any military equipment to Coppola because they didn't like the fact that the order of this film was to go kill a colonel. And so Coppola had to borrow it from like local military groups.
1: He, all the helicopters used were from the Philippine army. And every time they were filming, like not every time, but like for vast majority, this is terrible English for a bunch of the scenes where they were shooting, like the helicopters would just get recalled by the Philippine government to go fight the Moro insurrection. And like they would just be set to film for like three days. And it's like, nope, you have no helicopters for a week because we're currently fighting like a fucking war. Crazy. Um, and it's funny because they painted all of the helicopters to be like US Army helicopters which caused added confusion when they would then be used to fight this insurrection.
0: Oh man. Um, Just, just speaking back on another Philippines moment, um, the water Buffalo killing in this film, it was real. That was a real water Buffalo that they really killed. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which is bananas because it looks fake somehow but it's really just, you weren't ready to see a water buffalo die like that.
1: (laughs) Um, And you wouldn't expect them to actually do it on screen because why
0: the fuck would you? So, so this is part. So the, the, the ritual water Buffalo killing is something that was done by like a local tribe that Coppola had seen and thought would be good to put in the movie. Um, And because it was, um made in the Philippines, and the restrictions that they should have been abiding by were not being monitored. They did it anyway. and I would assume they must have paid a fine for that. Um, and and the American a fine humane to who? Assert- huh? A like a fine to who? Oh, I would assume that that those standards are actually governed by somebody, you know like I, in whatever the Philippines are like no, I would assume whatever American institution is in charge of that. Because if there was no if there was no repercussions for you actually doing shit to animals in movies other than getting a bad reputation, it why wouldn't you just do it? Cause I think the
1: the aspect of this for why it was allowed was the villagers that they used to be like Kurtz's uh Montillard army. Um, like they were just doing it anyway like that was just part of like their cultural festival or you know sacrifice to their gods and he was just like hey can i just film you doing this and it wasn't like a part of the movie production no one was involved with killing the water buffalo other than the people filming it
0: so i think that's why it was okay Oh well, it definitely wasn't okay because it got because it it got um a lot of shit from the Medi- from the American Humane Association. Um, I I I do think they did this ag- against all standards and practices. I don't think they were allowed to. Um, which is why I would assume there was a later problem with this because it by everything I'm reading right now, it certainly seems like they were not allowed to do this and did it anyway because again there was no actual governing body to stop them in the philippines despite the fact that by the rules and regulations in place for an american production they should have um i don't you know what man though i don't even really know because the more i read the less i know yeah uh i i don't know man i don't know yeah um Brando did the Brando thing. A lot of his dialogue was improvised. Apparently, he improvised an 18-long-minute speech. 18-minute-long uh, speech. Um, two of which are in the final cut of the film. Um, but that means Brando just rambled for 18 minutes. That was um, very much Brando. That's Brando. He also made up the line, um, which is one of my favorite lines of the movie. You're an errand boy sent by grocery clerks to collect a bill. Yeah. That's as improv. That is Brando. Oh, God, he's good.
1: Um, Um, I do know that he was supposed to have like a significantly larger role in this film. And when he showed up so fat, they were like, "Uh, this is, can't do this. Jesus Christ, Brando, why? And then that's why he was shot, you know, in pitch black darkness the entire time and all the fun that that was.
0: Well, not, not only that, but but apparently Brando pissed off Coppola so much that Coppola didn't shoot any of his scenes. Uh, assistant director Jerry Zeismer shot all of Brando's scenes. Now
1: that I would believe wholeheartedly.
0: Which is crazy to me because these two have worked together before. Like, right. Like Coppola had to know what he was getting himself into. I guess, Yeah. Because Brando famously showed up to the scene, the set of The Godfather knowing absolutely none of his lines. And they had to print his lines and put them onto Robert Duvall's body so that Brando could sit there and read them while acting. Like, like he had to have known this is how this was going to go.
1: Yeah, man, I don't know. Who fucking knows?
0: I, I, I certainly don't. Um... <laughs> Yeah, man. I don't fucking know. Uh, oh, man. Uh, I don't think I, I really have much else. Uh, do you? Uh, I have a bunch more fun facts. Oh, read them off, buddy.
1: Uh, the opening scene with uh, Sheen in his hotel room, uh, he was actually pissed drunk during the filming of that and actually yes. shattered that mirror with his fist and was bleeding profusely. And when Francis Ford Coppola like yelled cut and was like, we need to get you, you know, medical attention. Like fuck out of here. No, like we're filming. Like, this is it. Like I'm in the moment and forced them to continue on and like wanted to get the take. And like, I'm fairly certain I might be wrong here. um, And misremembering, but I'm pretty sure it was also like his birthday and him crying at the end was because he was just, incredibly upset with himself for, you know, the state he was in and allowing himself to be like that much of an alcoholic and all of that stuff that went along with it. And like, that was just very genuine.
0: Oh yeah. I, there was a lot of, of, of drinking and crying on this set. Coppola also famously threatened suicide several times during this movie.
1: Of course, because, you yeah. know, that's Francis Ford Coppola. Sure. I think that's the way it goes. What else you got? Um, so the uh, the Montillard Tribesmen that Han Solo mentioned, uh, they are like actual mountain tribes from central Vietnam. And they were just widely used by the special forces that Kurtz was in as basically like an auxiliary force uh, throughout Vietnam. Um, Lawrence Fishburne. Was only fourteen years old when they filmed this movie. Yep,
0: he lied. He He lied lied. to get onto it. Oh yeah.
1: Um. So the book that Chef is reading when they first start their journey is Henry Miller's uh, The Rosie Crucifixion trilogy, which is you know I've never read it, but I looked into it because I wanted to see why they would pick that specifically, and it was described as a cerebral look inside Miller's life. Um, and I could see why they would want to use that as this entire film is a cerebral look inside captain Willard's journey. Um, that was something I discovered on this watch through was happy. I looked into it. Cause it was pretty cool.
0: That's interesting.
1: Um, I just wanted to mention the scene where Kilgore is like giving the water to the dying VC with uh, his guts strapped in by a pot and then is you know making this beautiful speech about like bravery and fighting for what you believe in whatever and then the guy comes over he's like yo dude that surfer guy lance is over there with these new guys and he's like what and just like pulls the water away as this guy's like trying to reach up and drink from it and i just thought that was perfectly kilgore um yeah and the rest are just about like really awesome shots that i love but won't dig into because there's So many,
0: yeah. There, there. In general, there's a lot to this movie. Like, man, we've given a very light glossing over, but at the same time, like this, it moves so quickly for how long it is. It's oh my! Like, there's so much you could get into with this. The constant changing scenes and bring about a constant changing different discussion points. Like there's 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 a lot we could reasonably get into that I think we're going to just cut to cut ourselves short. Um because you should just go watch it yourself. Um oh, please so do. Yeah. Corwin, do you want to go first in ratings and reviews or second? Um I I'll go first. I mean
1: this is by all means a perfect film, you know. Yeah, okay. The scenes at the plantation aren't great. Whatever. Um The fact that the fact of the matter is, like, the rest of this movie is so beyond perfect to me that that plantation scene would be 40 minutes long and it would still be a perfect movie. Like, that's how much I love it. Um, so this is this is like six out of ten. Uh, but I'll give it a perfect five to stay true to how we do things around here.
0: I like how you said it was a six out of ten. Fuck, damn it. I suck. Yeah, yeah. No, perfect movie. Three out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't change a thing. Two out of six. Um, it's fucking five out of five, man. I'm, I'm gonna give it my five out of five too. This, I don't know what more you could reasonably want in a in a movie. To be perfectly honest with you, I understand it's definitely a little it edges more towards dad movie because of the whole war aspect of it. But if you really get into it i mean like it is definitely centered around war but this is this is a psychological drama as much as it is anything else uh in addition to how gorgeously filmed it is i think the dialogue is great the character representation is great um i i i i think that there's plenty to look at and discuss about again just just the emotions and the psychology behind all of what is happening in any given moment the pacing is phenomenal um, I, I I really don't know what more you could reasonably want out of this movie, um, that would especially that would withhold it from being the five star rating that I'm going to give it. Um, war movies might not be always be your jam, um, but I, I again with, with with this movie I don't I just don't know what more you could ask for out of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's so good. So this that. is a five out of five for me as well.
1: Oh, I love this movie.
0: Uh, All right, Corwin, what is your movie for next week? Um, I was really digging
1: the war film motif from this week that I picked, so I'm going to
0: stick with it and go with Jarhead. Oh, my God. I haven't seen that movie since high school. Oh, God. I'd love that movie, too. All right. All right, Jarhead. Um, I am going in a very different direction. (laughs) Um,
1: Surprise, uh, surprise.
0: My pick for this week will be My Cousin Vinny. Nice.
1: <laughs> uh, I love it.
0: Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it forever. I'm really excited to rewatch it. So uh, those... I can't wait to
1: talk about the youths.
0: Oh, man. I can't wait to talk about Ralph Macchio. Uh, anyway, uh, this will be a good week. This uh, Next week will be a great week. I hope you enjoyed this week. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at BigScreenJuice. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuiceInTheBigScreen at gmail.com. And uh, that's it for this Tuesday, and uh, we will see you all next week. Bye. Yeah.